Welcome to Minute 120 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me on this lovely Friday is Mark Hoffmeyer from Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, and movies, films, and flicks. Welcome back, Mark. Oh, do you hear that? Do you hear it? Are those planes? Know. Are those planes coming? <laughs> do you hear it? Uh, I don't think Goonmark can hear those planes. Yeah, Goonmark can't hear it. Goonmark's in coffee land right now, thinking about this. But, hey, I know I'm, I'm killing you here, but I've been thinking about this, and I was reading this neat essay that comes with the Criterion for The Great Escape, mm-hmm. and I, I was reading here that Sturgis also hired Wally uh, Flo- Flutie, Flo- Bloody? Mm-hmm. Bloody. Bloody. As a techno advisor, Floody was a Canadian ex-POW who designed and dug the tunnels at, at uh, the, the prison that we're, we're, we're looking at. What's, and then after seeing the tunnel set built by art director Fernando Carrer at Bavaria Studios in Germany, Floody said, you must be getting something right because I'm having terrible nightmares. Yes. That makes I've me so that. happy. And, and it's, it's a really – I've tried to – I wanted to use that in the first episode, but I'm like, I guess I need material in the fifth. And I know we're <laughs> moving along here and we have other – other sequences to talk about, but it's just so simple and effective. And also, it, I haven't actually, I haven't really even talked about this yet. I think the dolly work by the cinematographer. Let me. I have the name right down here. The 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 work, the cinematography from. Um, I'm going. I'm going. Uh, Daniel Fapp. Daniel Fapp. Yes. I think you know the way they they really level out the the dolly tracks. Uh, the shots look great. They're very simple. What I like about this movie is is some you know. So I teach film. Uh, I teach a film school. I teach college. Uh, I teach camera and sound. I teach short form production, film studies. And one of my favorite things, what I try to teach my students, is just meat and potatoes. Because I think a lot of filmmakers, you have a script, and then they're like, oh hey, there's a cool pole. Let's write. A, let's like shoot that, and then the dialogue in the background, and then you just see it, and you're like, that's that makes no sense. The shot makes no narrative sense. You should, uh, the camera work should highlight the script, it, 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 what what it is. Like it, if it's, I, I just think the camera work should service the plot. There shouldn't be unnecessary camera work in a film because that takes you out of it. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's like, hey, look at me. What I like about this movie, this, the dolly tracks are simple. The tripod, you know, they put it on a tripod. You can tell that there was a lot of crane shots in this, but they all do a really good job servicing the story. So I love the production design in this. It looks reliably gritty. And then I do like the camera work because it's just very meat and potatoes. And that's not an insult. I mean, to be able to shoot this well, you need to be a great cinematographer. Like, to, to have this smooth, like such a smooth shoot. So I, I, I just love the work during this. I think it does a good job of, because we talked about it. It's people rolling into a hole that's probably six feet deep and coming back out. Right. Then you have one a tunnel that they're probably reusing. And then you have people coming out of a hole. Right. And it's not – and then you – well, of course, Goon Mark makes the camera look good. But it's <laughs> – course, in, I, I, in, I guess, in the long shots. <laughs> I just – I like the – I like the camera work a lot. Uh, and, I, I mean, this this is the cinematographer who, who shot West Side Story. I mean, some other really excellent films. So I, I dig the camera work. Not only shot it, he won, he won yeah, an Oscar one, like, for Yeah, one Oscar-winning cinematographer. I mean – He's only one. He was only nominated for one Oscar. Oh no! No, no, no. He was nominated, no, he was nominated yeah, for like yeah. six, but he only won. Yeah, one. so he was nominated for two in '62. So he was nominated for seven Academy Awards, and he won yeah. once. One. But I mean, yeah, this guy, 
he just understands the camera. He understands servicing a story with these shots. And I, I think that's really neat. You never it's a limited space. I mean, it's obviously a set. They didn't build, I mean, it's insanely impractical to build that hole. I just love the camera work. Right. Uh, and, and that's really a testament to the, the cinematographer. Uh, I, yeah, no, I just wanted to get that out there because yeah. I hadn't been able to talk about it yet. Because I'm the safe to have something to say. But I, I do, <laughs> it's very, and when I, I know I'm saying this again, when I say that it's simple, that's not bad. I think a lot of cinematographers I mean, you look at some of these Roger Deakins' beautiful shots. They're very uh, – the simple is the wrong word. But they just, they're just they beautiful wide shots that are well lit, well thought out. And I think that's what this movie has going for it too. And so yes. – uh, and it's never distracting. The camera work never distracts you from anything in this movie because it knows what the story is. And that's what good cinematography is. So I – yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's my, uh, that's my cinematography speech right there. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for enlightening us. Okay. I know you've talked about it a billion times so, before, but I had to... No, not, not a billion times, but it, it hasn't been brought up. Imagine if you talked about it a billion times. I can't even try and fathom <laughs> that, but that's fine. So, so minute 120, which means we've actually reached two hours of this film. We're not even... We're, we're just past the third... Uh, two-thirds of the movie. Minute 120 begins with Roger continuing to explain the new plan to Henley and goes all the way till we see Colin and Henley begin their journey together. So, as we ended uh, the, the scene yesterday, basically Roger's explaining to, uh, to Henley that, that uh, as soon as you feel a couple of tugs, off you go, but keep Colin low. Yeah. Uh, again, it, it makes me question the, the, the scene from, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, you know, the whole idea of whether to let Colin really take part in, in this escape or not. The way you see him just sitting there in this scene makes you really, really feel bad for for, uh, for Henley that, that he's taken this upon himself. He could, you know how much he was slowed down? Yes. They made it really far to that. Oh, wait, never mind. Yeah. So, yeah, later in chapters. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, no, but even um, here you see how he was slowed down, you know, because basically he's yeah. waiting for Colin. And, you know, at, in a few seconds from now, they're going to, you know, climb up to, to climb up to however long this ladder is. You know, and, and pop out of the hole, and that also he's he's holding him up because he he needs to grab him and help him along. But I I love the the the, the slight little conversation between Mac and Colin where Colin where Mac goes, "Good luck, Colin. Thanks, Mac." And you yeah, know, <laughs> Donald Pleasance is is just does a great job of just staring off into space, showing that you know, his character really is blind in this point. You know, Roger. Then can I ask you a stupid can I ask you a stupid question? By all means. So in this tunnel, they are sending them through on the the sled, for lack of a better word. Wouldn't it be better, trolley? trolley okay. Wouldn't it be better if they were, if they crawled through and just were lined up? I know you could worry yeah. about. No, because of two reasons. One is is that they set up the trolley system as we saw when they were digging, that they were able to put the the, the different packets of dirt on it, and it would make it easier to. To, to move the dirt out, mm -hmm. and second thing is, is that since they're all not naked like they were in the real in, in the real story, they their clothes would get much dirtier, especially now. Oh yeah, okay, you got it. You're right. I mean, there there is a point where we see Henley in this in this scene actually. I think it is, or maybe it was when he maybe it was yesterday when he came into the to the to the station. You see that actually his his pants are are a little dirty. No, you're right. They'd be filthy if they were just waiting in the tunnel. 
And you yes. couldn't really just line anything down there. All right, that was a dumb thought. I'm glad we got rid of that. It's just a slower process, I guess. But you also don't want to have a bunch of dirty people running around trying to escape. Correct. All right. Correct. All right. But then again, then again, you know, people are in the middle of a war, and they're all in the middle of Poland. You'd think that they would still be dirty. It depends on how much. You know, you can, you can blend. If, you're, if, if your clothes are too immaculate, you might not blend in as well. That's a good point. Yeah, where'd, so, I don't know. Like, where'd they get that new outfit? Like, why are they looking so good? <laughs> exactly. Right? Oh, they got a good, they, they got Griffith says their tailor. Yeah, it's a heck of a tailor. My <laughs> wife walked in. Well, she uh, watched the movie with me, and she's like, this tailor's amazing. I'm like, I know. So good. Yeah, it's a work for Kingsman. The, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we talked about this last week, but the, the fact that not only was able to make clothes, he was able to make new hats for everybody. You know, business hats. We're not even talking about like little uh, berets or caps or whatever it is. They're, they're, you know, they're, they they look like they're. I don't know if fedora is the right uh, yeah. term for it. They're not Indiana Jones type fedoras, but they're they're still you know nice hats. At this point, it it pans to showing Hiltz once again sitting on the you know outside with the rope, and he hears an air raid siren. Oh, which you know the lights go out, and at that point we get to see that Gunmark is no longer there. <laughs> Goonmark has He's, disappeared. Goonmark scared scared of the dust. Ah! No, Goonmark knows lights go out, so he can go sneak for coffee. Uh, that's true. Yep. Good point. It's a good point because no one's going to try and escape when the lights are out. Exactly. Uh, Goonmark knows that. That's right. And then obviously it happens to be that Danny's the one in the tunnel when the lights go out. That's the one <laughs> bit of maybe. It's a little bit too contrived. Yeah, here. yeah. I was, you know, I was gonna say contrived for sure. That that's the one moment that you're kind of like, uh, they're, they're they're manufacturing some drama here. Yes, but you have to have drama, because if you think about this scene, there isn't much. And, drama. and Brunson is great here. What? And oh, Brunson yeah. is great. Yeah, because you see that the lights start going, going getting dimmer, and he's looking he's looking both ways. He's he's looking like he's ready to crap in his pants. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's gonna pull a Bronson, but it's. Uh, have you seen the Tom Hardy movie Bronson? That's yes, a good one. Yes, I've seen it. Nicholas Winden Refn, mm-hmm. good director. And uh, you know, as far as pitch black scenes go, I'd say it's it was probably the best scene of that. And then what? I was gonna say pitch black with Vin Diesel, but I'm gonna say the best pitch black scene alongside Devil, 2010. Because I love that movie, that and Great Escape. That's a first. No, I got a, I got a better one. I got a much better one. For Lights Out. No, 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 no. The Conjuring. Nope, nope. Think in a think in the box. Does that help you? Think buried. Yes, buried. Yes. Yeah, I love oh, also, buried. So good. Have you watched Oxygen on Netflix yet? Directed by Alejandra Aja. No. Nope. So it's Melanie Laurent. Mm-hmm. In Glorious Bastards fame, she's stuck in a cryopod, and I don't want to say more, but she only has 30-something percent oxygen left, and it's just her figuring out what's going on. And they filmed it during the pandemic with Alejandro Aja, the director of Crawl, the $13 million wonder film, and it's really good. So if you like Buried, you might like right. I will check that, that out. Good. I will definitely check that out. But Buried, uh, yeah. I love Buried, and I love the fact, and, and I love the fact that, that, uh, that one of the reasons that Blake Lively decided to do a Shallow was because of Buried. Yeah. Yes. That's another movie. Okay, I get Jay to see that one. 
Yeah. Maybe maybe by the time this ends, Jay will have seen it. He finally watched Deep Rising. And he liked it. He was like, I love this movie. Yeah, he he loved it. (laughs) Because it's good. So basically, what's Danny's first line when when the the lights go out? He screams, Willie. (laughs) You know, as opposed to saying, Mommy. mommy." uh, Vulnerability. Yeah. Willie! Just like that. I like I like seeing this burly Brosnan show yes. vulnerability though because you don't you know, I think later on in his career you don't associate no. that with him at all. Not at all. So it's nice it's nice seeing this absolute brick yeah. scream Willie. That's true. I mean I, I personally like, yeah. like Bronson's movies from the sixties better than his movies from the seventies. You know, I, I, I did like Death Wish, but I still think that he's better here and in Dirty Dozen and Magnificent Seven, uh, Once Upon a Time in, in yeah. the You know, they're, he's, he's great oh. in these movies. He was so much better in the 60s, in my opinion. I think it was all before he started growing his mustache. You know, this is the, the 60s <laughs> was his pre-stash. And, it's, and he was acting, not just... I mean, he acted in Death Wish, but, like, once you got to Death Wish 48, exactly. nah. So at that point, you have... Exactly. In then space. you have Hiltz run over to, to the to the hole and scream down, it's an air raid, searchlights are out, come on. You know, trying to get everyone out. And at that point he helps Henley out, and he helps Tallinn out, mm-hmm. which I guess was helpful to Henley because of the fact that he actually, you know, needs help from someone to get Colin out of there. Because yeah. basically, it, it's, it's, it's not a nice thing to say, but it feels like he just has all this dead weight that they need to pull him up. You know, he's he's not helping himself enough in that point. It's not. It's not a smart move. No matter how much you like somebody, bringing a. And I, I hope I'm not sounding insensitive, but just bring. It's an escape. You are trying to escape and cause chaos, and disorder, and get people chasing you, and have their forces hunting you, and manpower during a war. You're just slowed down by that. It's just. Ah. I don't know. And it's it probably slowed. How many people? Okay, so right now where we're at, we're not going to go any further. But between between uh, Bronson, Danny being stuck in there and freaking out. This is a good cliffhanger. And then between um, Pleasant. <laughs> it's a good cliffhanger. What's up? Yeah, I know. Yeah, people wait sure. till Monday to hear it, what's going to happen. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, Sylvester Stallone comes in with Rennie Harlan. Oh, imagine that remake. Rennie Harlan directing The Great Escape. Yes. Yes. In a mountain. But there's, there's, I, I bet you they probably could have gotten 10 extra people out. And it, and, but th- that's the thing, though. We're, we're, I'm, in my head, I'm trying to think of what's the best way to do it. But also, I've never been in a cave or in a tunnel 30 feet under the ground escaping a POW camp knowing that I might be murdered. So, yes, there's going to be problems, which I think... Makes sense. People will get claustrophobic down there. So I think these these issues that they're having make it feel more real right. because I don't know how organized That's it would true. be. Now, one of the things that they have in the original script is just hilarious. It's exactly at the point where this minute ends. So it, I guess you could say it fits in between, you know, Friday and, and Monday because, you know, it's not something we're really going to discuss because it didn't, it was never, it was either never filmed or just uh, wasn't used in the end. But they have, in in the total darkness of the tunnel, they, they have all these voices shouting out different things. You have someone say, what's happened to the lights? They've found us. Who's got a match? Let me out of here. Easy, everyone, <laughs> easy. I can't see a bloody thing. I can't stand it. Let me out. Shut up. Shut him up, someone. Where's the match? Now, 
all of these uh, catcalls, if you want to call them. I mean, here I just named, uh, I think it's just listed off nine, nine different catcalls that they say there. What what I think they were trying to establish by, by adding this to the script was the fact of how many people are in the middle of the tunnel as this is all going on. You see, we, when uh, we, we just see Danny waiting in the tunnel, uh, you know, Henley and Blythe have gone out. We don't know who's between them and Danny. We don't know who's between Danny and Willie, or who's after Willie. You know, you have all of these. Yeah. So to, to give us nine different voices screaming out all these different things is it, helpful to, to to show that this is crowded, that there are a lot of people that are that are in the process of trying to get out or have already gotten out. I am very no, happy me too. I, I, that I, they didn't I don't do think that. that they needed this, but it, but oh, okay. it would have been helpful. To, because yeah. it seems as if the, the the tunnel is quite empty. They're moving really slow. It, exactly. it feels like watching this. This is not. This is you plan for all of this. I mean, you have people whapping sledgehammers on a rotation, but you are moving incredibly slow through the tunnel. So I get what you're saying, right? It, they could have done something to show that it was moving much more efficiently. Because what we see, we did not see that like seventy five plus 76. people, seventy nine people escaping. 76 people escaping. We did not see that. So, yeah, that would have been good, but, man, imagine if the screen goes black and there's just ADR lines all over the place. Exactly. Oof. That's true. Oof. Right. Now I understand. I get it, but oof. So, basically, the, 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 the scene, the, the minute ends with, uh, with Henley and, and Colin running off into the woods. So, I, I, I thought that that was a good jumping off point to, to, to think about, you know, different types of traveling companions that, that we've seen in movies, you know, to try to, try, and I, I want you to rank, I'm going to give you five, a list of five traveling companions, and you're going to tell me what you think about okay. the, these, these traveling companions, who, who you think would be, who are the best and who are, are you know, you rank the best or worst. All right, I so love, you got first, obviously, uh, Henley and Colin, you know, all right, you got uh, in okay. Indiana Jones and, and The Last Crusade, you got Indy and Henry Jones, all right, you got in mm -hmm. Wally, you got Wally and Eva, then you got in Castaway, Tom Hanks and Wilson, all right, mm -hmm. and the, the fifth one is from The Lord of the Rings, Frodo and Sam, how would you, how would you, oh man, that's tough, these traveling companions. Oh, I'm traveling with Wally and Eve all day. <laughs> all day. Eve is insanely powerful, and Wally travels through space without freezing. His parts are amazing. So, yeah, I'm traveling with them all day. That's my number one. Two, I mean, Sam and Frodo, they get there. The problem is they, they're much, they wouldn't want me with them because the hobbits, they're, what, four feet? I'm 6'4". I would stick out a lot more. I would have much. I would have a lot more trouble climbing those maybe, rock faces. Maybe you're Gollum with Mark. them. Gollum is very flexible. I'm not no, that. But, so but I'm not going to. I'm not going to go the, with the, the the one ring in your possession for so long, and it you know it changed you. It's possible that you know that that Smeagol, I'm trying to remember if, if, if how if Smeagol was a little larger than a normal Hobbit at the time. I can't remember. Oh yeah, he was a river folk, right? Jeez. Wasn't he? Yes, he, he is a hobbit, but he's well, not from Hobbit though. I'm not going to slow them down. All right. All right. I'm not going to slow them down. Uh, I, I'm forgetting one. There's I was gonna, another one I love. So there's Indy, there's the one from this movie, there's Wally, there's Lord of the Tom Rings, Hanks and what was the fifth? Oh, oh, Tom Hanks and Wilson, number two. Go fishing, 
hang out. He survived on a raft. I'm hanging out with them. Then I'll do. I mean, it's got. I, I want to hang out with James Garner, right, and Donald Pleasance because they can fly. And that tackle he did on that that uh, <laughs> that guard. Oh my gosh, beautiful. Then I will take Indy and his dad, even though they just bicker the whole time, and I would just be really annoyed, and I couldn't get a word in. But they can fly. They survive, so I'll just go with them. And then, last but not least, Sam and Frodo, because I feel like I'd slow them down, even as Gollum. Okay. So they, they don't want me with them, so I don't want to hurt that mission. Right. But I'm traveling while Wally and Eve all day. She would just grab my hand and fly me, like, around the world. That's true. Wait, so you and Wally's would you prefer awesome. Superman or or uh, or Wally to fly you around? Oh, Wally and Eve, they're cool. If you go type this in, if you so it's, this is December. If you go type in Mark Hawmeyer, film theorist, film theory, there's a video up where I covered a theory for them about if Wally is Satan. So go watch that. I think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> I guarantee you, by this time December, it'll have 3.5 million views. All right. Contact me in December. What do you mean, contact in December? It is December. Or tomorrow. Yeah, or tomorrow. <laughs> and let me know. Exactly. All right. Well, Mark, do you have anything else you want to say about the, the movie in general or this particular minute? I got a perfect chapter. I got the Criterion cover. This is amazing. I loved it. This I got the best. I, I, I'm very happy with what I got. This is and wonderful. It, and it was very, random. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is fate. I know I'm showing just you. But if you go look in, if you type in Criterion Great Escape, you'll see Steve McQueen's head go fraying out of this hole. <laughs> and I got to bring... Wait, it's Guard, it's Guard Mark in the background? No, Goon Mark is not in the background. They cut me out of the Criterion box. Nah, well, they don't have to pay royalties. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so that, that's, uh, that's my thought. I loved it. This was fun. All right. I'm glad you had a great time. I, I enjoyed this week also. And so anything else you want to say about the, the movie? Watch it. Again. All right. And go watch Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> Which one? Which one? <laughs> oh, Deep Blue Sea. All day. Yeah. And then Deep Blue Sea 3. And then Deep Blue Sea again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, and then Great Escape. You're, you're running out of Deep Blue Sea movies to talk about. Yeah, I know. we got to wait till Shark Week 2022. There you go. So right now, there's about eight months until it's released. Because July is Shark Week? I thought it was April, isn't it? Oh, April? I, Whoa, I thought so that's you have what five they said. Oh, I don't know. Isn't that what they said? So you'll have five... When is Shark... Let me type in Shark Week. When is Shark Week? I thought it was April. No, July. August 9 through 16. All right. Okay, sorry. So in 2021, it's in August. So that means you're about nine months-ish away. From maybe Deep Blue C4. Maybe. Beautiful. Right, yeah. They, maybe. Ah, that's right. They're only mentioning, uh, they, they don't mention when it's supposed to be in 2022. Yeah. I, I guess they're they're keeping that, you know, on the on the, the low the low down till after uh, Shark Week uh, 2021. Oh, that's probably when they are going to announce it, right? Like, hey, look out for this. Hey. And we got the scoop. <laughs> All right, well, Mark, do you want to tell everyone once again how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, go to Movie Films of Flicks, Movie Films on FLIX, and then Deep Blue Sea the Podcast, and then look for me on Twitter at Movie Films of Flicks, and then Mark Hoffmeyer. Check me out. All right, and while you're doing that, you can once again go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher that you might be using to listen to this show. You can visit our Facebook group, The Cooler. You can visit our website, thegreatescapeminute.com. 
Our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. And you can contact us on Twitter at GreatEscapeMXM. So have a great weekend, and I'll see you on Monday. And until then, tally-ho. Tally-ho.